Well, I don't know if you realize it or not, but today is a pretty significant day because it, this is one, it was one year ago this Sunday that we had to close down our in-person gatherings, and we did that for weeks and weeks and then and before we reopened. It's been one year today since that happened, and I tell you, it, for me, it's just, there's been a lot of emotions uh, this morning and thinking about, you know, all that God has done over the last year through different opportunities that we have had online, reaching people there, but also what we have seen happen even within how, how the Lord has strengthened us. We thought, you know, man, this could be the worst thing that could ever happen, but actually through it, it is, it's, it's caused us to become stronger. I see in people all the time that are taking steps for the Lord that maybe they wouldn't have taken any other, you know, any, for any other season or uh, at any other time. And, and that's why we talk about Easter I am really excited. Of course, last Easter, there was nobody here. It was just, you know, we were just here to make the live stream go. And this Easter, I I said, you know, I want the emphasis this year to be just about new life. Jesus came back from the grave. He burst through, burst into new life, and we're going to see the same thing happen. So we've already got people that are saying, yeah, that day is the day for me. And so I hope that, that if you're thinking about that, and that's been on your radar screen that you've been thinking about accepting Christ, that you, you do that. And as Phil mentioned, we're going to have a special class in a couple of weeks on March 28th after both services if you want to talk about that. But uh, really, really hope that you'll consider taking that step because if we've been in this series called Stretched, and, and, and what I've said to you every week is it's kind of like a rubber band. That a rubber band is useless until you stretch it, until you put tension on it. And we're the same way, and our faith is the same way until it's stretched. It's really not doing anybody or anything any good. And that's what the purpose of today is also, as he mentioned these cards, these I'm in cards. You know, for the, we were talking in, uh, we had an elders meeting the other day, and uh, we had our, our children's ministry department join us for the meeting we're kind of talking through things and we're really excited because we're reopening our nursery and toddler area on Easter and uh, following all the the CDC guidelines and those things but we're really excited it's been a long time coming and we were asking we said well how many volunteers does it take to run and we're talking to Heather Horn just the the nursery and preschool areas how many volunteers do you need to do that and she said every week Ideally, I need 16 volunteers to be able to run just preschool and nursery. That's, that doesn't include elementary. Elementary, I think it was 12. I think we need 12 in that area. And, and, and we said, how many volunteers do you have right now? She said, well, before last week, I had zero. And then after last week, she was up here on stage and made an announcement. She said, I picked up five. So she said, we're, we're, we're doing great. That's in good shape. But what we're facing right now is after the shutdown a year ago, We shut down everything, meaning no volunteers, no small groups, no nothing. Now it's time to start those things back up again. And we need people who say, I'm in. You know, here I am. I'm ready to be stretched. I want God to use me in some area. And so what you're going to see on this card are some of our greatest needs right now. And if you're looking for an area to connect, if you're looking for an area to plug in and serve, man, just check out that card. This is a place for you not only to to use your gifts, but to meet some other people and and to feel a sense of community, to know that you're part of this church. And we want you to to know that this is your church. And uh, so we ask you to look those over, you know, fill out your information. If you stop by the table, we're going to have t-shirts 
For anybody that signs up, so if you sign up to serve in an area, you're going to go home with a t-shirt today. And uh, you're going to have a, uh, somebody that's going to be in contact with you to help. We'll train you. We'll do everything that, that we need. But uh, these are areas that we desperately need people to step up so that we can reach more people for Jesus. It's so vital. I, I talk to a lot of minister friends. I've been having conversations, you know, two or three a week. Different, different guys at different churches and, try, you know, encouraging each other. And it's funny because... Uh, and as I look back, I, I was really depressed, like at the beginning of the pandemic. So like when we first shut down, we couldn't meet. I was so bummed out and like, man, this is terrible. But as we've come through, like to now, I'm really like energized because I've, I see what God is doing. And I'm like, okay, I see the pieces coming together. And, you know, we, we all the opportunities that, that lie ahead. But a lot of my friends in ministry are feeling the opposite. They're kind of getting dragged down right now. So we're kind of, you know, kind of cheering each other up. And, and, uh, and one of the things that we, we talk about is we think about what could God be doing? How is he using all of the pieces of everything that we're going through in order to, to build his kingdom? And, you know, one of the things that we, we knew early on is we want to make room for more here. We believe that God has his hand on us, that he's blessing this place in a really special way. And we want to be prepared. We don't want to sit on our hands and just, well, you know, not, and not really think about the future. We want to be prepared for it. And so we've been expanding our facility, renovating and opening up lobby space and creating new bathrooms and new security features for, for our, our youngest, you know, our, our nursery and preschool kids. And I've kind of given you all an update on that. We're, we're somewhere around $80,000 that has come in. That we're, we're so grateful for that. And we really appreciate all of the, the generosity there. But one of the things that we were talking about as, as elders just the other day is, you know, and some of you have already had this happen, you know, we've, we've got this unexpected money that is coming in. For many of us are getting a stimulus. Some of you have all, it's already hit the bank account. Maybe it's already been spent, you know. But we got this unexpected money that has come in, and, and we said, you know, if every person in this church would tithe on the stimulus, you know, forget the income. If we just tithed on the stimulus, that'd be paid for and done. It'd be done. So if I could issue a challenge to you, Megan and I, we've already prayed about it. That's what we're, we're, we're doing. We're already giving some, but we're going we're gonna to up ours because we said, you know, this, we, didn't even, we didn't even expect this money, and so we're going to be faithful in that. I would challenge you to consider and pray about doing the same and help us prepare the best that we can to reach as many people as possible for Jesus Christ. And I, I believe that 2021, God is going to use us to, to reclaim many for the kingdom of God. So thank you for partnering with us. And, and this is what I want to say is, is that our, our culture, as we dive in today, our culture is so convincing to us that the most important thing for us is the pursuit of comfort. You know, we don't want to stretch. We, we don't want to be put in a position where there's tension. And I'll be honest, I'd rather have a comfortable conversation with you than one that's, you know, kind of feels a, a little confronting or full of confrontation. I don't want to be that guy. I don't, I don't like those moments. I'd rather have an easy day than one that's full of pain. You know, I, that's just natural. Comfort is something that we often pursue at all costs. And we even do that in the name of Jesus. We will pray prayers. I pray them. You pray them. We say, Lord, you know, just ha help me to have a good day today. Keep me safe. Put a hedge of protection around me, whatever that means. You know, we just, we just want to keep, you know, I want to stay cushy and help us be comfortable. And essentially what we want is let's avoid conflict at all costs. Let's dodge any opposition. How can I take the path 
of, le- of least resistance. Now, we've been looking at the New Testament book of 1 Peter, and I mentioned to you last week that Peter is writing this letter to a group of Christians who had forgotten who they were. They, they, just, they just forgot who, they, who God had called them to be, and he's reminding them that you've got such a high calling. He's reminding us too. It says the call that God has on your life is, is so important, but it's so easy to forget who you are, and it's especially easy to forget who you are when life is difficult. And when, you, when you're faced with challenges, Jesus said this in John 15. He said, listen, if the world, you got to remember the commanding, the commanding voice in which Jesus would have said this. He said, if the world hates you, remember it hated me first. You're, you're not out there. You're not on an island somewhere. You know, it's not that you're the only person that's ever faced this and, and, and this is some weird thing. Remember, if it hates you, it hated me since they persecuted me. Naturally, they're going to persecute you. Yeah, I really haven't met anybody, at least in this country, most, I don't know that I've ever met anybody who has said, I don't like Jesus. Even hardcore staunch, you know, atheist people that are very much anti-Christianity, anti-church, if you really drill down, they say, well, but I I like some of the teachings of Jesus. But you think about how hated he was. In his day, how how much opposition he faced and what he endured for us. And I want us today to have a a different perspective in persecution because the truth is, I just want to lay all the cards on the table today. If you take a stand for Jesus, if you step up, if you do draw that line in the sand and you say, "I'm, I'm giving my life to you, Lord, and we're talking about stretching. If you say, Lord, I will go wherever you want me to go. I will follow you. If that's you, you are going to face opposition. You are going to face trials. It is not going to be smooth sailing. That's not the life that Jesus ever called us to. Nowhere in Scripture does he say, follow me and I'll work everything out for you. Follow me and everything will be easy. Or I'm going to make your life great and it's going to just improve he never promises that he says listen birds of the air have nests foxes have holes in the ground to sleep but the son of man has no place to lay his head if you're going to follow me pick up a cross and let's go if you're going to say that i'm going to be hidden in christ you you may you you're definitely going to face opposition you may even face persecution for that and the reason is is because you are engaging in a very real spiritual war. It's happening all around us right now. And you can't see it with your eyes, but you can definitely sense it with your spirit. And sometimes you do see it with your eyes, to be quite honest. But it's happening all around us. You have an enemy that wants to take you out. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to destroy everything that is good and pure and right. And when you take a stand for the Lord, you have become a threat. And you've got a bullseye on your back. Now, some of you say, I don't know what you're talking about. I've been in church all my life, and I've, it's always been great. Everything's been great. I mean, it's easy and fine, and, you know, Bob, bless God, bless me, everything's blessed. And I would push back on that a little bit and say, well, then you must not be engaged in the battle. Because you don't have, you're not a threat to the, the kingdom of darkness. <laughs> you know, if you're not a threat, then, then he's probably going to leave you alone. But if you really have taken a stand for Jesus, I, I know that you, some of you have faced it. And you say, there's, there's days that I just, 
you know, I, I, I feel so bad and it's, it seems so difficult and, and, I, and I question and I wonder why is all this happening? It's because you're engaged in the battle. Stay strong. Keep walking. You will be blessed. You know, we, we think sometimes, well, you know, I don't know. I don't know the persecution is really happening today. I don't know. Do we really see that? Is that really still a thing? But, you know, experts argue that religious persecution is at the worst level today than it has been in the history of the world. We always look back in history and say, oh, well, it used to be bad way back when, but the last decade has represented the worst decade in the history of Christianity and persecution around the world. The, the statistics are staggering. In an average month, in an average 30-day period, over 300 Christians are killed only because they follow Jesus. That's the only reason. Because they are a Jesus follower, they're, they're murdered. On an average month, over 200 churches will be burned or completely destroyed. In an average 30-day period, there's upwards close to 800 followers of Christ who will be beaten, tortured, raped, or imprisoned for following Jesus Christ. That's the only reason why. It's for religious persecution. Now, in our, in our part of the world, and in the western part of the world, we see plenty of persecution. Uh, sometimes it takes a little different form. But there are plenty of examples of abuse, slander, destruction of property. Uh, someone may lose their job for their faith. You may be belittled or ridiculed by a college professor or a friend or someone on social media. In our day and culture, it's almost like you're, it, it's almost like you're an extremist if you go to church. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I'm out somewhere and I'll meet somebody for the first time and we're having a great conversation. I mean, this is happening to me over and over again. I'm talking, you know, just having a nice time. And they ask, well, what do you do? And I say, oh, I'm a pastor. And it's like, oh, you're one of those guys. Well, listen, I got to get going now. And they, they don't want any more to do. They're like, oh, you're one of those nutsos. It's like we, we can't talk about that. I know that for, for many in, out in the, the corporate world, I mean, it's, it's a tension. My wife and, and, some, and a lot of you are teachers or you work in the public school system. My wife is, is one of, she, she's a, a, a public school teacher and she talks about what a burden it feels like. She, she says there's, there's just this tension because I want to live out my faith. I don't want to be ashamed of Jesus. But I, I feel like there is this tension. I, I, what, what can I say? What can I not say? What am I supposed to do? And, I, I, you know, how do, I, how do I ride the line there? And it's not just for them, but many of us deal with the same pressure. I want to follow Jesus, but how do I do that? What am I, what am I, how, how do I make it all work? Peter said a lot about this subject. And I, I pray that it would speak to some people today and inspire your faith. And encourage you to live even more bolder than before. To be stretched for the one who gave his life for you. This is what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. He says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through. As if something strange were happening to you. You, just, you hear the tenderness in his voice. You're my friends. Listen, let's, we're, we're together on this. He says, don't, don't be surprised about, about the pain that you're, you're having, you're experiencing. He's telling these people who are hurting, don't be shocked. Don't be caught off guard that if you're living boldly for Jesus, that you're going to face opposition. If you're living boldly, if you are asking God to stretch you, don't be shocked when you're criticized, when you're ridiculed, and when you face spiritual opposition. I, I wonder... 
I wonder how well would our faith hold up under opposition, under pressure? Will we remain faithful to Jesus if we're persecuted? You know, it's, it's more than a little concerning to me as we look at over the last year. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think anybody knows for sure just yet. I think it's premature. But those who, who claim to be experts in church growth and church life things are estimating that one-third of those who were regular church attenders that after this pandemic is over, that they will never return to church ever again. A third. That, you know, I don't know if I believe that, but it certainly is concerning. How does our faith, that's just because, oh, well, I've, I've gotten out of the rhythm. <laughs> How does our faith hold up in the face of real problems? of real persecution. A few years ago, there was an attack. This was back in uh, 2019. There was an attack on a busload of Christians by a group of radical Islamic extremists. And, and they stopped the bus, marched them out of the bus one by one, and asked each of them, including the children, asked them whether or not they were Christians. And then they were asked to renounce their faith renounced their Christian faith, and they, were, they said, you, you are to profess a belief in Islam. But all of them, including the children, refused. And each one of them were killed in cold blood, shot in the head or in the neck. And it's almost impossible to imagine, but things like that take place on a regular basis all around the world. Would we stand up to that? Would our faith be strong enough to endure on Easter Sunday 2019, there was a, some church bombings in Egypt. You may re recall that. I was reading an article just the other day. Uh, there was a, a woman who was, was ready to attend church. She was singing a special that day. She was so excited. She prepared this song and ready to go. And she was in the church building when one of the bombs went off. Uh, it killed her, her niece, left her little nephew deaf. She's, her body's covered in third-degree burns. She did survive. But they were interviewing her, and, and she said, I was just sure in that moment I was going to meet Jesus. I was ready. I was ready to go meet Jesus. And, of course, she survived it. And they asked her in the interview, she said, well, how can we be praying for you as a church, as brothers and sisters in Christ around the world? How can we pray for you? You know what she said? Her answer stunned me. She said, pray that I could be closer to Jesus. I need to be so much closer to Jesus. I thought, man, I think about those of us that just are ready to give up because, oh, it's a little rainy today. Uh, where's God at, you know? <laughs> we're, just, we're just so weak. We can be so weak. Peter's reminding these people, and he's reminding us, don't be surprised when you face trouble. Don't be stunned by that. You know, it may put you in danger. It may cause you to lose a relationship. It might cost you an opportunity. It may mean that people at work or at school ridicule, ridicule you because you follow Jesus. You're on the front lines, though. So you're engaged in a battle that you can't see, but it's real, and you're a threat, and you're making a difference, and you're rattling the darkness of hell. Don't be surprised when you face opposition. And then he says these very encouraging and very challenging words. He says, instead, be very glad. Like, what? 
He said, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to all the world. There's something on the other side of this. He says, be very glad. I know you don't see it now, but on the other side of this, there is glory. There are blessings. You are being connected to Christ in a way that nothing else can do that. Growth doesn't happen in the comfort zone. Growth doesn't happen in the lazy boy with your feet kicked up. Growth happens in the stretch. And when trouble comes at you and you have to suffer because you wear the name of Jesus boldly, it empowers you. It makes you bold in a way that nothing else can. Nothing else will stretch you like suffering for the Lord. He goes on in the next verse. He says, if you're insulted, if you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed for the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. This is in verse 16. It's no shame to suffer for being a Christian. There's no shame there. because you, And you should praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. It's a badge of honor. What Peter's saying is this. He says, you, you know the word Christian. This is interesting. Some of you may know this. Others of you may not. But the word Christian, you just don't see it very often in the Bible. I know that's what we go by, and it's a very common word to us, but it was not a common word at all in, in, in the times of, of the disciples in the, the early church. They didn't call themselves Christians. They called themselves disciples. They were followers, apprentices. We follow after Jesus. But the word Christian actually was not something that they called themselves. It was a term that was given to them by those outside. It, it, uh, it was a very derogatory word. It was a slur. It meant little Christ. Like, uh, like, like this, this, the, be, they use it in this way to belittle them. Like, oh, look at those, look at those little Christ. Look at, those, look at those little Christ followers. You know, look at what they're doing. It's like today we have different slurs that we use when we want to belittle somebody. Uh, whether somebody of a different race, they look different, they talk different. We've got little words that we use, you know, that we can, we can use. And so some people are so threatened by others that don't look exactly like them or or, you know, what do they do? Sometimes we call them names. We use slurs. It's a way of trying to push you down so I can prop myself up. You know, it's this really twisted thing that, that some people do. So I can feel superior. It's not right. It's never been right. But it's not new either. This, is, this has been part of our history for, for, since, there, since there's been history. You know, Peter's saying, listen, I know that everyone around you is criticizing you for following Jesus. They're calling you names. They're using these slurs, and they call you little Christ. He said, look at those little Jesus followers. Aren't they special? Look, they think they're loved. They think they're so special. They think they're better. And, and, and so out of fear and out of bias and out of hatred, people were looking at these people that were living differently than they were. And, and, they're, and, and these, these, these Christ followers, they're loving each other. They're forgiving others. They're trying to live faithfully and honestly. They want to do good. They don't want to do evil, you know, because the heart of man is desperately wicked. Other people looked at them from the outside and they called them names. And that's what's happening. And they destroyed their homes. And they arrested them. And they murdered them. And they scattered them from their homeland. And Peter said, it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. That's what he's saying. I wonder, what, I wonder what Peter would say to us today. 
If he could look into our situation, into our lives right now, what would this look like in our context? I was talking to, to John Glowacki, our worship minister, this past week. I said, hey, this is what I'm preaching about this week. And we kind of, you know, we always kind of get our heads together a little bit. And I said, you know, I was thinking about persecution. Can you think of, a, can you think of somebody in our church that has really suffered or, you know, faced a job loss or something like that? And we were talking about several people that we, we, we know that have gone through that. And, and John was saying, man, that's been my story. And I'd forgotten we talked about this, but John, when he was first came to Louisville, he's from Michigan. When he first moved to Louisville and uh, took the the job here at this church ten years ago, he was uh, working part time here and part time at a restaurant. He was a server. And I'm not going to tell you the name of the restaurant, but uh, he was serving at this restaurant. And he said, "Man, it was a great atmosphere, and really liked the 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 owner and liked who I worked with, and everything was cool. It was great, uh, very chill." And he said, and then somehow they found out that I was on staff at a church. And they found out that I was a Christian. And he said, the owner called me in one day and started grilling me. And it was kind of like, what, what is the deal? It's like this is like a switch has flipped. Everything was cool, and now all of a sudden he's grilling me. And, and he said, I was fired. And he said, and they just said, well, you just don't really fit into the culture here. I mean, that, that's, you think, well, that, surely that doesn't happen today. It does. It happens today. Uh, you, you might say, you know, maybe you're, you're a girl in college who you've stood up to a guy that's pressuring you to go in the wrong direction. You say, you know, I'm, I want to pursue purity. I want to, you know, I want to honor the Lord. And, 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 and I, you know, I'm waiting for the, the man that I'm going to marry. And, and you've taken that stand for purity. And he says, oh, yeah, I guess you're one of those church girls, right? You know, to kind of belittle you. Peter would say, there's no shame in that. Praise God that you bear his name. Or are you the person that has accepted Jesus and now your whole family rejects you? Makes holidays really uncomfortable? Like, oh yeah, you're doing the church thing, right? Is that, yeah, you're kind of a Jesus freak now and they're annoyed and they're angry and really they want to drag you right back down to their level. And so they say, yeah, I guess, I guess that's who you are now. Are you, you, you're, still, you're still serious about this Jesus stuff? Peter says, praise God. For the privilege that you bear his name, that he's covered you, the powerful name of Jesus. You just put that in your context, whatever it is. The fact that we have the opportunity to be aligned with Christ, that people, other people would look at us, and even if they're mocking us, the fact that they would say, oh, look, he's a Christian, she's a Christian, you're just a little churchy, holy, uh, little Jesus follower, aren't you? And Peter would say, man, do you realize that that's a badge of honor? God's looking at you and he's saying, you know, you, you ought to be grateful. You, you bear the name of my son. I mean, that's a, that's a privilege. And, and don't, it's no shame to suffer, to be honored. What an honor to be associated with Jesus. He's saying, if they, Jesus said, if they mocked me. If they mocked me, they're going to mock you. And this is my favorite part. The next verse in verse 19, he says, if you're suffering in a manner that pleases God, then just keep on doing what's right. And trust your lives to the God who created you, for he will never fail you. He's not going to let you down. And you see, this is what the world doesn't seem to get. You know, we can talk about this in here. This is what the, those outside of Christ, they just don't seem to understand this. They can ridicule us. They can shame us. I mean, they've been doing it for thousands of years. And they do it daily all over the world. They can burn down our churches. They can arrest, beat us up, kill us. They can do whatever they want. But one day, they're going to answer to our God. One day, they're going to stand before him, 
And they're going to have to give an account if he leans in, looks them in the eye, and says, why did you do this to my children? And they're going to stand before Almighty God, who's in complete control, and they're going to have to respond. That's not a position that I would ever want to be in. I don't think any of us would ever want to be in that position. There's a book by Francis Schaeffer. He wrote this book, and he, and he, he laid out how we should base our lives on the Bible, how we should live God's way as followers of Jesus. And I, I just love the title. The title is, How Then Shall We Live? How then shall we live? What, what do we do? That's a good question. With all this as a backdrop, thinking about, okay, what the world is about, reading what Peter's challenging us with, what do we do with all of it? How then shall we live? What are we called to be? This is a principle that, that I try to live by. Okay, I, I do not always get this right. I've got feet of clay and I fail quite frequently. But I, I try to pick myself up and, it, it, you know, and I would challenge you with this principle. In every area of your life, in your family, in your finances, in your relationships, in your work life, you know, in, in, when you, whenever you're peer pressured in every area of your life, do what's right and trust God with the results. Just do the right thing. When you, when you know it and there's a fork in the road and you say, well, I could go this way, but that's wrong, but it may be easier. Or I could, I could take a stand here, but it's going to be more difficult. Do the right thing and then trust God to take care of you. That's what he says. He, Peter says, you just keep doing what's right. Just keep doing what's right because God's never going to fail you. He's not going to let you down. You will be taken care of. You will be blessed. And truthfully, that's the purpose of the church. It's so that we come together and if we see a brother or sister that's going through difficulty or is suffering in some way, guess what? You've got a big group of brothers and sisters that are going to come right alongside you and say, how can we help? How can we help? What can we do? You will not go hungry here. You will be provided for. We are going to come around each other and make sure that you have what you need. That's the beauty of the church. That's the beauty of the family of God. How do you live as Jesus followers? We do what's right, and we trust God with the results. We leave it in his hands. We don't cut corners. We don't take shortcuts. We don't try to do what we think will get us the end result faster. We do it my way. We do what's right. We trust God with the results. We do what's right in our relationships, and we trust God. We take a stand where we have to, where we need to. If we have to confess something, we confess something. If we, if we have to have a hard conversation, we have a hard conversation. We have to stand up and say, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Even though it may cost me something, I'm sorry, I can't do that. I won't do that even if it costs me something. As Jesus followers, what we do is we do what's right and we trust God with what happens after that. Because we know that he won't fail us. He's not going to let us down. We've got to be bold. Don't be intimidated by this spiritual bully that wants to force you into submission. Don't bend or crack underneath the weight of, and pressure of, oh, well, what will people think or what am I going to do? The, the Bible says God who created all things. I mean, we just sang about that. You know, if all the stars worship you, so will I. I mean, he is in complete control of every aspect of our universe. Don't you think he can provide for you? If the stars will worship you, so will I. Don't be intimidated by that weak little spiritual bully that says, oh, no, 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 what will somebody say? Jesus said in 1 John 4, he says, greater is he who is in you than he who's in the world. He's got you. 
He's got you in the palm of his hand. And when the early Christians were threatened with censorship, with imprisonment, with execution, they praised God for the privilege of being persecuted in Jesus' name. He said it's a privilege to bear that honor. And they prayed that they would speak the word of God with boldness. And so should we. Let's pray. Lord, I, this, is a, this is a heavy subject. And I know that it is difficult to challenge ourselves and to, to be stretched. Because, Lord, when we pray, I know that every time I have asked you to help me to grow, what then follows is not comfortable. Lord, help us to keep our eyes on Jesus and on the potential that you have laid within us. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on who you designed us to be. To know that there is so much more than any little thing that this world could offer. So Lord, would you just fill us with boldness? Help us to be faithful, to follow you wherever you lead to never be ashamed to bear the mighty holy name of Jesus. It's in his name that I pray. Amen. You know, we, we talked about this being an I'm in day. Service, service serving, you know, can be a sacrifice, but hopefully it's not, doesn't feel, doesn't feel like I'm bleeding and dying, you know, because I serve in the nursery. It's a joy. It's a joy in service, a wonderful joy when we serve the Lord. And you look at the sacrifice of so many in history and all around the world of what people have gone through on behalf of Jesus. Surely we can sacrifice a little. Surely we can be bold a little. You know, Jesus said, these words that scare me. He said it would be easier to get a camel through the eye of a needle than it would be to get a rich man into heaven. Why would he say that? Because he knows how much of a draw these things are on us. How much they want to take our heart. Jesus said, listen, you've got to be aware of this. You've got to know this is really important. In the book of Acts, Peter and John had faced some persecution. They'd been arrested unjustly and, and they were then released and they met with the church there and they, had, they prayed this really interesting prayer. I mean, they, you just figure these guys, I think if this happened to us today, we'd get together at the church and we'd probably cry. Be like, I can't believe this happened. You know, we'd be all mad. We'd go on social media and blah, came. Peter and John got together with the church and they said, let's pray for greater boldness. That we would go back out there, and when we go back out there, we're going to preach with even more boldness. And they did. Could we be those people? Could we be that church that we'd say nothing's going to stop us from being exactly who God's created us to be and doing exactly what he's called us to do? Let's stand together and sing this song, and let's make this our song of worship to him.